Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to a very special edition of the ODPH podcast. My name is Ken M. You know me as the host of the ODPH, but I'm also Nerd Initiative's Comics Editor-in-Chief. And for this special occasion, we have a special co-host, but you know him if you're checking out Turn a Page every Tuesday night, Eastern Standard Time on Nerd Initiative YouTube. And if you know the show, you know I don't even try doing his intro. I let him take it away. Coming at you live and direct from the sanctum of awesome, tis I, off the cuff, Tom, Nerd Initiative's pop culture connoisseur, Ken, always a pleasure. Absolutely. And you know, when we do these special editions, we have a comic that we are completely excited about and one that we feel that you need to make sure you have not one, not two, but three copies at least in your collection. Because if you are a comics fan right now and you have not checked out what is going on via Skybound Entertainment and the Energon universe, you're truly missing out. Since debuting in the pages of Void Rivals, the excitement has been building for the return to comic shelves of the Transformers and G.I. Joe properties. And we've been lucky to have a fantastic companion series come our way via Daniel Warren Johnson's Transformers. And spiraling out of the pages of Transformers number two is leading into a series that is going to be coming out December 27th with art by Tom Riley and Jordi Belair. And it is a series that is going to definitely have fans excited for the expansion of the Energon universe. If you're at the New York Comic-Con panel like myself, you left there going, when is this coming out? Take my money now. And we are so fortunate enough to have the writer behind this book on the show today. You know his work from such books as Dark Ride from Skybound Entertainment and also Superman and Batman and Robin. So he is very familiar with the land of superheroes. But let's face it, we're here to talk about the John Cena of the real American heroes. And that is Duke. Please welcome to the show the one and only Joshua Williamson. Josh, thanks so much for taking the time out to talk to us today. Yeah, thank you uh, for having me. And, you know, also thank you for uh, busting out John Cena as Duke, because I 100% agree with that assessment. Um, You know, with John Cena, when I was watching uh, Bumblebee, the whole time I was watching, he got the scar on his face and everything. And I was like, yo, this is just Duke. I wish they just called him Duke. Just said at the end, like, oh, this, like, it's a code name. If they had just said at the end of the movie, oh, this, whatever his name is in the movie, I can't remember what it is. They're like, oh, that's just a code name. His real name is Conrad. I would have lost my mind. Like, and I think that's if, if we get to this in the future and I bet they go that direction. I mean, he's perfect casting. He is Duke, dude. Like you watch that movie and you're like, this is Duke. This he is was right Agent here. Burns. Agent Burns. Is that what it was? Yeah, that's a code name. His name's Conrad. Yeah, he's so Duke, it's it's not even funny. And I mean, obviously, seeing how the resurgence of the Energon universe has kind of really taken a big uh imprint in comics. How did you get involved with this? And I mean, how was the idea pitched for you to come aboard and start getting involved in the G.I. Joe side of things? You know, it's funny. I, I had been thinking about G.I. Joe for a long time. I was like a big G.I. Joe fan and, you know, um, ever since I was a kid. And it was one of those things where so every project I have, I have a notebook for it, you know. So it's like I have a Superman notebook, a Batman Rodman notebook, you know, whatever. And um, I have a notebook that I had made just for G.I. Joe ideas. It was just stuff I was thinking about. And. For a really long time, I knew that Robert, I knew that Robert was a huge Transformers fan. Like, and I I knew he had like this crazy Transformers collection of toys, and it was something that he really loved. Sean Makowitz, who works for Skybound, he's the publisher. 
he and I were talking one day and he was like, oh, if there are any licensed books, would you ever be interested in doing any more licensed stuff? And I was like, I have sworn off a licensed book. I'm done with licensed books. It will never happen, except for this small handful. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I was like, G.I. Joe is one I would potentially do. And he was like, that's interesting. We've been talking. And he told me this thing. He was like, you know, Robert, Robert has this idea. He was like, I probably shouldn't be telling you. Robert has this idea. <laughs> He's like, what if Robert had a comic book come out and the last page, like totally unrelated, the last page, there was a Transformer. And I was like, you keep it a secret? You're not going to tell anybody? And he's like, no. And I'm like, that's amazing. I love this idea. I was like, you should 100% do that. That was so long ago. Like, that conversation with Sean, I couldn't even tell you. It, it was probably like six years ago. It was a long time ago. And, um, like, before my son was born, and my son is running around like a crazy person, you know? So it's like, it was a while back. And we kept talking about it, you know? And But here's the funny thing. Every time Robert had a new book come out, I was like, yo, there's going to be a transformer at the end. <laughs> like, every time hmm. I was like, yo, there's a transformer at the end, transformer at the end. Just waiting for it. Like, where Just is waiting it? for it. So, uh, you know, Sean reached out, and he was like, I think we're going to get it. You know, it's a secret. I think we're going to get the license. Um, would you still be interested? And I was like, well, it depends on some factors. It depends on some things. Uh, but then we just started talking. And then in the process of talking about it, I found out that Robert is also a huge G.I. Joe fan. And, you know, that was part of it. He was like, no, I want to do both. I don't want to do them together. And he had some thoughts. And, and we just started talking about it. And it was funny because I think those early conversations, it wasn't real. You know, it was just having, it's like mm -hmm. yeah. you and your buddies talking about what would you do if you could. Right? Like, that's kind of where we were. And we started just jamming ideas and throwing stuff around. And I had, again, I had this notebook full of ideas already and things I was thinking about. And when I started giving that over to them and talking about it, we were all on the same page, a lot of things, you know, there was little bits and pieces that it was like, there's bigger planning going on. And obviously Void Rivals wasn't a thing yet at that time. Um, but then Robert started working on that piece of it. And then I started working on my piece and then it just became real very quickly. And, you know, uh, yeah, it was like, it was due. It was a long process. Like they, Skybound's been working on this for a long time. And, you know, even with some of the stuff that we're doing now, some of the outlines and stuff, I wrote a long time ago, you know, at least, yeah, maybe two years ago. I mean, it's crazy some of the conversations we wow. have about this stuff. So, you know, it's, it was a it was a long process, but it was definitely a very fun, a very fun process. But that's how I got involved. It was just, you know, like I've, I've known Skybound for a while, then a few books with them and I have a good relationship with them. So I was talking to Sean and he was just, you know, would you ever do another license book? That's really what it came down to. And I was like, yeah, well, for them, like, no but one <laughs> and the one he would yeah. just happen to be that one. Well, especially too. I mean, with one that's had such the fandom as, you know, Transformers and GI Joe, I mean, they've been such staples for pop culture for decades now. And I mean, obviously growing up, I mean, I'm sure you had to be a big fan of that. Like, what would you say is your favorite GI Joe moment growing up? Oh, this is tough. Cause I feel like I might start giving stuff away. Um, because okay. you know, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, it's okay. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. I, you know, the, the thing is, is that like, there's a lot of stuff I love in there and there's stuff that I love that is like some of the weirder stuff, you know, it's like, it, when I started looking at doing this with any project that I work on, I have to be obsessed with it. Like that's, that's the truth. I have to be obsessed with it a little bit. And, mm -hmm. but also I have to take all those pieces that I love and put them in it. So it's like a lot of stuff we're doing because we're starting at the beginning and we're doing an origin story for it. It's like, me going and finding those things that I loved, I was able to, to put in there. Um, but I'll, I can give you a few things that I love, right? It's like, I love the episode of the cartoon where Shipwreck um, 
is in that town and he starts freaking out everybody's melting like that's a traumatizing thing for a kid you know uh, that's one of my favorite things I do I think about that all the time it's one of my favorite like horror moments not just a G.I. Joe yeah. moment um, one of my favorite episodes of the cartoon is the Game Master uh, okay. I love that episode I, it's the weirdest it is the weirdest episode I, I feel like it's arguably the weirdest episode right like I think it's, it's, up, there, it's up there with the wiper yeah Dude, oh yeah oh man the wiper oh my god the wiper episode always drives me crazy because it's like especially on a rewatch I will tell you like listen on a rewatch I don't want to, I, I will, I will skip, I will skip the Wiper episode. Like, okay, I watch yeah. a little bit of it just because it's like, oh, cool, barbecue's here and it's kind of funny. But then you're like, no, nah, I'm out. I can't, I can't do it. Like, I got to stop. But the Game Master episode yeah. is one of the weirdest, that's the episode where I'm like, somebody, the boss was on vacation that week. That's my opinion. Yes. <laughs> like, the boss was on vacation and everybody else was like, you know what I want to do? We're going to have an episode where this dude who's a giant for no reason. Is gonna kidnap Flint, <laughs> Lady J, um, Cobra Commander, and Baroness. Like it's one of the funniest. It's I love watching that episode because just like this is the weirdest thing, and the ending is super strange because they're all hanging out on that island together and they don't start fighting each other. Like and they're just chilling. It's the weirdest thing. Um, you know, yeah, but obviously, it, obviously it, it, in it the comic, like you know, the the issue twenty one is great. Obviously, um, the silent you know, issue, right? Yeah, the silent issue. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite. So here, I'm gonna rewind a little bit with, with my own history with the GI Joe. So when I was a kid, I was really into the toys and the cartoon, right? And okay. for me, the comic. You know, when you're a little kid, I was kind of a snobby little kid, and I was like, "Oh, that comic is just an adaptation. That's just that's just a title. I'm not. I don't read titles, right?" And when I got to college, I was talking to a buddy of mine who worked at the comic store, and he was just like, "Hardcore. The comic is amazing." He was like, "The GI Joe comic is great." He was like, it has nothing to do with the cartoon, nothing to do with the movie. It is its own thing. And when Devil's Due got the rights around the same time, I think Marvel started reprinting those like big collections of it that had the J. Scott Campbell mm-hmm. covers. Yeah, and yeah. So I was like, all right, I'll get those. I'll start getting those. And I remember reading that first issue for the first time and being like, this is one of the best first issues I've ever read. I was like, holy crap, Larry Ham is a genius. Like this mm-hmm. is, and what's crazy about that first issue is, is how detailed and dense it is it's a dense first issue but all the pieces are there like it is it's almost like reading this is a bad example maybe but it's like reading a novel you're just like all these pieces are here it's like it's like when people talk about reading game of thrones there's all these characters all these pieces all this politics all these this moving stuff that's going on but at the same time it all works dude that's like reading larry Thomas jay joe like you, you start reading it and you're just like, oh my god this was this was next level. And then you start understanding. You're like, okay, now I know why this comic sold so much in the 80s. That's a big piece of it. Because it was just a good comic book. But then you start realizing why people are super defensive about that book. <laughs> you start being like, yeah. oh, no, this is not what you think it is. And so then I started reading that. And I actually did a reread. I've done a – so I read all of it then. And I started doing a reread when I got this job. And, and what was funny is I actually – when I got the job, one of the conversations I had with Skybound was actually about taking a step back on reading, like, reading everything again. Because I didn't want to Im- mimic stuff. But also I knew because Larry mm-hmm. Hamill was going to come back with 301. The point wasn't to do what he did, what was do something new um, and do something different. But I, I started looking at all the different G.I. Joe books that, you know, Devil's Due did and then what was done at uh, IEW. And I started realizing, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I actually read a lot of this. Like, I really did. I kind of kept up with it, especially the issue ones. I was like, oh, I feel like I read a lot of this more so than I, I realized until I started going back through and going through it. But yeah, I think those are some of like, 
G.I. Joe issue three is uh, an amazing issue. Um, and I say that hesitant because it's a bit of a spoiler about what I'm doing. Because <laughs> issue three has elements that are uh, similar in some ways. Um, it has one of my favorite Joe characters. Well, it's it's funny, like, there was a there was a Joe character that I liked, and then he wasn't in the outline. So when I oh, wrote the okay. outline for G.I. Joe and Cobra, he wasn't there. And then I needed a character. And I was like, oh, you know, this character kind of fits this role. And so I was like, I think I can use him. And then I went back and I reread a bunch of stuff with him and, you know, and he just fit so well. And then he became like a co-star of the book. He's on the first issue, um, but he became almost like a co-star of the book. And he's in issue, he's in issue three of Larry Thomas G.I. Joe. That's a bit of a, a spoiler for someone to go do research. Um, but uh, yeah, dude, there's a lot of stuff I, I like. Now, obviously, you know, and Robert says this too. I think that the opening to the movie with the Cobra like theme is one of the best openings ever. Like that mm-hmm. whole opening is so dope. It's it's probably it's arguably probably the coolest GI Joe animated moment. It's just that opening of the movie with Cobra and how yeah. you know the Empire State Building and everything. That whole thing. I mean, dude, there are times you just watch just that because you're just like, that is so fucking cool. Um, but yeah, yeah. And then, dude, I buy a lot of the toys. So I have a lot of stuff. Uh, I have a lot of, I have a lot of, uh, I guess, favorites from G.I. Joe. Neat to no, know. I mean, did you know I'll that go. in the movie, it is the only time that the Navy gets any nod in the theme song? No, that's it. The movie is a, is a weird thing to me because I, I was talking with him about this the other day where it's like, you know, you know the term, the uh, Mandela effect? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Dude, I believe if you would ask me five years ago, I'll say five years ago. If you would ask me five years ago if I saw G.I. Joe's movie in the theaters, I would have said yes. I would like complete memory, saw it in the theaters. Uh, but now I know it was never released in the theaters. No, it was cut up. But in my memory, it was. So I'm like, I'm always trying to figure this out. I'm like, is that, am I from an alternate reality where it was in theaters? They actually, mm-hmm. you know. They let it be released. It is funny when you watch that movie and you get to the ending and they yell that Duke is okay. It cracks up every time because you're just like, <laughs> that last little dubbing in there is so funny. Um, but no, I didn't know that. That's funny. Yeah, I, and the only reason I know it because obviously I'm wearing the shirt today because we're talking about it. I'm a vet myself. So when it comes to Navy oh, yeah. stuff, that's my deal. But yeah, if you ever YouTube the two different theme songs, if you YouTube the uh, original theme song versus the movie theme song it's over land and air no it's over land and sea and air yeah i'm writing this down yeah my dad i think part of where my fandom started with gi joe because i was into he-man transformers was funny like transformers is one i watched but i didn't buy as many toys because they were a little more expensive i I feel like in my memory like i had a few no you're Um, right yeah i'm with i'm with you on that like i had all gi joe stuff i except like transformers like it was like a big deal but it was always super expensive you want to get like optimus or megatron yeah, That's I, it, got, well, I, I got I got C spray and Beachcomber and Astro and like all the tiny oh, ones. Oh, dude, I, like, yeah, I had sure. Astro. Yeah, I had Astro. Um, but yeah, they're always. I, I remember. I feel like they're a little, little were a little bit uh, a little bit more expensive. There was something else I was gonna say. Oh, well, so my dad. So I come from a military family, you know. So it's like my 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 grandpa was in World War II. He was actually in D Day. Uh, my dad was had made him a job, but he was in like the Air Force and he was an FBI firearms trainer. And, you know, he had, he had done different stuff, but always a military guy. He was in the NSA for a bit. So it's like for a, a significant amount of time. But, you know, he was overseas. He went to, um, he was in Iraq and Afghanistan. So it's like, I think for my dad too, as a kid being like, oh, 
G.I. Joe's? I know what a G.I. Joe is. So my dad would buy me tons of G.I. Joe's. I mean, I remember, like, I would, Christmas Day, open up boxes, and it would be, like, just G.I. Joe's. And he would always do oh, the mail order awesome. stuff. I got a lot of the mail order G.I. Joe's, too. Um, like, I definitely got, what do they call it? They call them now the Silver Gate now. But, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, would, you would mail it in. And then they would mail it back and they would say that was you. You know, it would come with a little car with your name on it, but he had a mask on. Yes, yes. Uh, I had one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So I think that stuff, you know, um, we just had a lot of it. A lot of G.I. Joe's in my house, man. Still to this day, it's funny. My son comes up here and um, I have I have all the classifieds, but I also have some of the Haslabs. So I have like the striker and stuff here in my office. And my son will come in and he'll play with the striker and he'll play with the, the different classified toys that I have on the ground over here. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, no, I had I had the William Refrigerator Perry figure. Like that's how deep I was going for the fandom. So I didn't have that, but a friend of mine did. So we had a deal at one point. My my buddy and I, we made this deal where basically we're like, we're not gonna ask for the same figures. So that mm, way okay. we could basically all get we had them all essentially. And so we would be like, I'm asking for this vehicle, so don't ask for that vehicle. Right. And so we would basically on Christmas, like the day after Christmas, we get together and be like, cool. Now we can play because we had all we had all of them. We had no duplicates, but he had, so he had the fridge. He had the fridge. Yeah. Yeah. Like I say, those those toys, I mean, that's just something you just grow to such a nostalgia. And especially now, too, you're seeing a lot of resurgence with the movies that have been coming out recently. Mm-hmm. And like to to a novice fan, like, would you say how would you explain the whole G.I. Joe movement to them? Oh, man, those questions are always tough. You mean just like what's going on right now? Like how there's been a resurgence right now? Or just basically or like just why, mean, like why you know th- this fandom is just so sustaining and just so connecting with you know like you as a fan like that you stuck with it all this time. I think it's just the characters, man. I mean, Larry Hamill really built this amazing group of characters, and they're so cool. Like every single one of them is uniquely cool in their own way, and then they have the coolest villains, like Cobra, the Dreadnoughts, all that stuff. They're some of the coolest characters, and I think that's really what it comes down to is that like. Yeah, there's some really great stories in there across the board where it's the cartoon, the comics, but dude, it's all about those characters. And I think all of us just have fun with those characters. I mean, even with this project, that was one of the biggest pieces was just like that list of who I could use, you know, which characters could I use and my impatience. We talk about this a lot. You were at the panel in New York. So you probably heard yeah. like my impatience with wanting to use everybody. I think it's those characters, man. I think we just really we relate to them in weird ways, but we just have fun with them. But I think it's just because of really that groundwork that Larry Hammond made with those characters. I think we all just, that's what we kind of gravitate toward. But it's also that like good versus evil, but it's fun when the evil is cool and fun. You know, yes. like I think that's definitely a piece of it. You know, um, you know, Robert talked about this a bit of these kind of like, it's weird. It's like, it's not black and white thinking, but you're like, there's a clear good side and a bad side. But then the bad side is very much like a fun bad side. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, like you want to root for them in, in ways like, like I have a I have a Cobra sweater. I don't have a G.I. Joe sweater. I have a Cobra sweater. Um, and that was actually a big piece of me coming into the end of the book was being like, oh, I want to show not just the origin of G.I. Joe, but I want to show the origin of Cobra. Because I found that to be a really interesting thing. But yeah, I, I think that's it's just the characters, man. I think it's just the characters. What? I think that's what we all gravitate toward. You know, when you start talking to people, you know, it's funny when you start talking to other people that are fans and stuff. You do talk about your favorite stories, but I think people just start talking about the characters a lot and just how much they love certain characters, what characters did or didn't do, mm. what they looked like. And the, you know, yeah. I mean, as a kid, as a kid, part of why I loved G.I. Joe, not only because how colorful it was and fun and the cartoon, but man, those vehicles. 
Like they have yes. the best vehicles of any toy line. I, I, I would argue probably the best vehicles of any toy line ever. I, I have to agree with you. I mean, if it's not if it's not number one, it's top three at least at, yeah, at the yeah. bare minimum. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like maybe Transformers is a cheat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Into the cars. But you know, you might argue maybe maybe I, I wasn't a Power Rangers kid. Like Power Rangers, I was aged out by the time Power Rangers is a thing. But you might think of like maybe Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles had some cool vehicles, but not like not like Jancho. I might be wrong. I'm, I'm curious if anybody else is going to be like, no, it's number one. Is this? But I think it's that. But yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, I think again, it's kind of the characters. I think the characters are so compelling and interesting. But that's the stuff that you really, I think, all of us kind of gravitate toward. You know, for me, I don't think I fell out of Transformers because again, I was talking to Skybound for a long time about Transformers. Uh, but man, when the classified line started. I was hooked immediately. I was like, I was, I, I didn't get the first round. I got the second round. And then I was just like buying all of them ever since. So I have, yeah, I have all of them here. Um, but I think it, it's interesting to watch kind of, at least for me, kind of getting back into it even before I had the job just because of that. And then, you know, obviously having kids too, like having my son in here and he like, is, I can see him gravitating toward it. Um, for me, I guess that's where I start to connect with it again a bit. No, absolutely. Before we go to the next question, it keeps the flame alive. That's why, you know, it it really is when you can get that, especially because I am a Power Rangers guy. Thank you very much. Uh, (laughs) Oh, I have a problem with Power Rangers. I I was I was like a little bit older, I think, when it started. So so was I. But I'm I'm the Voltron kind of kid. So it all segue. See, Um, that's a blind spot. Voltron has been a blind spot for me my whole life. So that's why. But on this side of my office, you can't see I've got about. 40 some odd plus you know figures you know so it mm-hmm. keeps it keeps the flame alive and i think that's what the staying power of a lot of these franchises from the 80s really helped especially with us elder millennials as you yeah. know as we are because we we do want to get back some of that childhood that you know wherever it may have gone and now that we have grown-up money let's okay let's how do we do it and then how do we re-manifest that grown-up money into grown-up stories and especially to touching back about the cool heels, it's like in pro wrestling, like you, you always kind of gravitate towards like we we're talking off air about like MJF before he went to his uh, face turn as of right now. Yeah. You know, it's just you, you find yourself rooting for the bad guys and you want to see them, you know, they, that's how they slowly convert and, and win you over. Like one of like arguably my favorite GI Joe character is Storm Shadow, but I've always loved that character, you know, it just kind of plays in with that. I mean, it's right up there with like the John Cena of G.I. Joe himself, Duke, and especially going into the series now, what can we talk about issue number one? I know that's going to be out December 27th. Like we say, you need to make sure you're running to your comic shops and ordering multiple copies. But yeah, what can we talk about that book? Well, if you've read Transformers 2, then you saw what happened. And we talked a little bit in New York, but I mean, you see in in Transformers 2, which when this airs, it'll been out for a week, but you know, uh, Duke has a run-in with Starscream, you know? And mm. in that moment for Duke, it's like, Duke is this person, we kind of established this in the first issue, who's kind of seen it all, right? Like, Duke is this military man who has seen it all. Like, he has been on the field, he's seen all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, but in that moment, when he sees a jet turn into a robot, it kind of blows his mind. And then obviously, because of what else happens in that scene, you know, it's a very uh, traumatic and tragic moment for him. It breaks him in a way, and it makes him start questioning things. And and that's really where our book opens, where it's like we do establish, you know, in, in the first couple of pages of Duke number one, 
I really thought about, you know, one of my, my favorite memories and really early memory of, of G.I. Joe is that opening, right? Like whenever they did the different openings for different seasons, but they would do that opening, you know, the, mm. the what do you call it? Just the intro, right? Yeah. And I was like, I kind of want to recreate that in a way for Duke, but by himself, like just have all these cool moments, big shoe pace, you know, splash of Duke doing something super cool. And then we see that he's, we immediately cut to like, oh, he's kind of broken right now. Right. Like he mm. is not the Duke that you're as familiar with because I want to show Duke get to that. Like I want to show him get to the point where he is the leader and where he forms this team. I want to, I want to show how we get there and the steps that it takes and why it's him, you know, like yeah. why is he the one that, that's supposed to lead this team? Why is he the person that does this? But to do that, I had to, we had to break him first. You know, we wanted to show getting built up, we broke him. And so that's what happened with Starscream as this moment. And he doesn't know the difference between a Decepticon and Autobot. All he knows yeah. is there was a giant robot, you know? And so for him in that moment, he's like, first, I feel like I'm lied. I'm being lied to. And then he starts asking questions and they're, they're covering. They're not giving him what he wants to know. And they're pushing back on him. He's like, you're lying. You're lying to me at this point. And it really just make him start questioning everything. And he has kind of a crisis of faith in that moment. And so we wanted him on this journey of, you know, it's weird. I had a line in the script. And I think we cut it where I had him talking about revenge. And I was like, because that's kind of where part of his head is, is in that a little bit where he's like, I need answers and I need mm. to know that I'm not a nut, you know, yeah. I need, I need, I need, it really comes out, I need answers. But also he's like, if I find one of these robots again, I'm taking it down, you know, mm. like this is something that's going on. And so that's where he's at in the first issue. And that's how we start getting into the, the story with him, where it's like, he's this broken person who's gone through something traumatic and witnessed something very tragic, but he's pissed off. You know, and nothing's going to stop him from getting those answers and, and getting, you know, again, I hesitate to do the word, use the word revenge for someone like Duke. You know, I don't really think Duke is the kind of person that would necessarily want revenge. But I think the idea of he needs to find some kind of justice, you know, and he needs to figure out what this thing is, you know. Um, and that's some of the elements you see in the first issue is him starting down that path and on that journey to, to get those answers and as you see in the first issue, he gets kind of an answer, but it's weird. It's like not the correct answer. But again, mm -hmm. he doesn't know the difference. You know, like right. he, in his mind, you know, it's funny because in his mind, he doesn't automatically jump to aliens. Like, mm. why would you? Yeah, exactly. You know, this you, is brand yeah, new. Yeah. If you saw if you saw a truck drive down the street and all of a sudden that truck turned into a robot, your mind would not automatically go, Oh, that's an alien. Yeah, if if you're, like, wait, if you're a movie going kind of on here or something, yeah. Yeah, but you would probably, if you're a Duke, you'd be like, that's a, that's a weapon. Someone built mm. that. Who built that weapon? And now I have to find who built it. And that's what starts, again, takes on this journey of, of figuring some stuff out. And then, obviously, he gets himself into some, uh, some trouble. And then you start seeing, you know, what the solution to him is in that moment. Because you're kind of like, oh, well, if we're going to find, uh, you know, if we're going to have, we have to track Duke down, who's going to do it? Uh, yeah, so it's all the stuff that went into that that first issue. No, I mean, and like I say, it it really sets a, a high pace for what's going on because for everything that's been building, like I say, since Void Rivals, two Transformers, yeah. and now with this, especially with such a popular fan base, like, do you think there's any kind of pros and cons about writing these characters? I mean, I, you're no stranger to writing big characters, you know, with your work with Superman and Batman and Robin, but in like this kind of circumstance, you know, this fan base has been around for decades is kind of like the take with, you know, comparing to the body of work of other authors that worked on this, like, was there a, just a direct approach you wanted to kind of establish, like, this is my run? Yeah, I mean, because we're starting at the beginning, 
we're starting, you know, I don't want to use the word small, you know, but we're starting mm-hmm. a little grounded with it, you know, I mean, that's how we're trying to, I, I, I hesitate to use the word ultimate, you know, with ultimate Marvel, yeah. the way ultimate Marvel started, that was something we talked about in the beginning was like, what worked about ultimate Marvel. Can we find that here with Duke? And that's why we started with Duke. Cause it would also mm-hmm. have been obvious to start with GI Joe, but it's right. like, we don't want to start with everything already established. It's like, no, 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 let's start here and show this progression. Let's show the build. And really, again, we talked a lot on the panel in New York where it's about patience and like letting it breathe, like let it be about, again, those characters, right? Like every yeah. character in induction has to be something cool, you know, let's, let's start with that. So that's part of where our motivation was with uh, starting in, in this way. And, but with the fandom, you know, it, it's tough with fandom of any kind, right? And I'm a mm-hmm. fan of stuff and I could be real opinionated about things. Uh, yeah. so I try to keep that in mind, but at the same time, I, I just try to approach it with like respect and love. That's it. Cause I mean, I really believe that every character is somebody's favorite mm-hmm. and you don't oh, want to bury, you know, we talked about this, we were talking about the wrestling stuff off the air. It's like, I don't want to bury anybody in, in this. Like, I, I know that like there are characters that I love. So we did a, in New York, we revealed some of the cast members, right. For the books. Right. So in Duke, right. You know, we revealed that Baroness and Stalker and Falcon are in it. And that's just a small piece of the amount of characters that are going to be in this. Um, we have a lot more. And once the covers start coming out, you're going to start seeing more and more. And then on the Cobra side, we revealed that it was, you know, Cobra, Commander, Destro, uh, Zorana, and then Mercer. And so I'm going to mm-hmm. rewind here and talk about Mercer for a moment. So Mercer was one of my favorite characters as a kid. And I couldn't even really tell you why at one point. I think it was just because that dude had like the anti-Cobra thing. The idea that he was Cobra. And then defected over, like all that stuff, yeah. dude, was so cool. Like such a cool character. Then when we started talking about these books, I was like, the fan in me was like, I gotta find a home for Mercer. Like immediately. I gotta find a home for Mercer. The reason why I tell you that is because again, I recognize that for every character here, there's somebody out there that is like, that is my favorite. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I just try to keep that in my mind when I'm working on this stuff, is like, you know, being respectful and really respecting the core so one of the things i have is i have a rolodex of all the cards right like the original larry hama written cards and so what i do with that is i use that as like like that is the core right like if i'm thinking about a character anything about them you want to go do i read that card first because like there's a lot that's happened since those cards obviously right like there's oh, a yeah, lot of yeah. story whether it's in the cartoons whether it's in the comic books there's a lot of story there right but to me, when I go back and look at those cards, that that's the core of who that person is, right? That's the origin point, you know? That's the big bang for that character. And so I go back and look through that. And that's, to me, the stuff that I just try to keep in mind when I'm working on this. And I'm, so I hope that when the fandom is coming in, it's like, it's not going to be exactly like Devil's Due or IDW books. And there are books in both of those. I mean, I was buying the one that was Devil's Due on, like a maniac, you know? I'm friends mm-hmm. with Tim Seeley. And I talked to Tim Seeley about this uh, when I got the job and stuff. But, like, I remember when Mike Costa was doing the Cobra book, you know, and it's like, I, I try to look at these pieces and be like, okay, I can't, it's always tough. This is true of any comic book when you're working on a big franchise. You cannot repeat what has already happened, right? right. you got to take it somewhere new. You have to. you got to do something different with it. Otherwise, it, it, that's always the balancing act because you will get people accusing you of, like, oh, they're repeating history or, or they're doing something that's too different. And so it, it's, just, it's a line you got to walk. And But at the end of the day, you know, I have to, it's, it's, this is the hard part of the job. It's like, you put all these pieces on the table, but at the same time, I'm the one that then has to play with it. Like I'm the one that has to make those decisions because 
one of my rules of comics of, of any book I'm working on is that I have to like it. If I don't like it, then I messed yeah. up. And so I can play That's... with all these toys and I can put all these factors in. And I can think about the fandom. I can think about all these things. But, and I do, you know, it's funny, like, uh, because I am a fan, like, I will go and, and watch YouTubes talking about the toys or just the franchise in general. And so it's interesting to kind of mm-hmm. get that perspective. But at the same time, I have to, like, it's almost like I have to erase everything and just think about what's best for the story and just put my heart into it and try. Because I think when someone reads it, they can tell if you don't care. Right. You know, and that's really the major thing I would hope people, when they read, they can tell I care. And that's, that's it. That's all you can do. You got to think about, you know, it, it's tough. And again, I've done this with, I've worked on The Flash and Superman and Batman and Robin. I've done a lot of stuff that have, you know, obviously huge fandoms. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you can you can think about it. But at the end of the day, you got to just be like, what would I what would I enjoy? No, absolutely. I mean, you can definitely tell it as somebody that buys your work all the time. Uh, yeah, you can definitely tell how much emotion and heart you put into it. And especially with the classic characters, like giving that energy into them. like. I, I'm like not to get sidetracked, but I love your your Superman right now that you're doing with oh, Jamal thanks. Campbell. I think that's like one of the best Superman runs I've read in recent memory. And but you can just tell the emotion pouring into it, and you can see that you know coming into this universe too, because especially with such the big fandom involved, that you want people to really connect with it and be inspired. Like when we were all growing up, to like this is the passion I feel when I read these books, and like I'm so getting entrenched with these stories. That, yeah. you know, now with everything coming up, you know, in the, you know, after this series, I don't know how much we can talk about, but yeah, sure. just even the groundwork, you know, like what, you know, what kind of direction do you want with uh, this universe after this series is done? It's hard to talk about. Like we have a lot of, plans. that's fair. I guess that's the most we can say. I mean, you know, Robert, Robert's a planner yeah. and you can see by everything that's going on. That it's like, you know, there are some things you could probably guess that are obvious, but at the same time, what we've seen is we do want to surprise you. We want you to know this is not going to be as predictable. I mean, you saw this already with the fact that Void Rivals had Jet Fire in it. You know, it's like, yeah, like that was uh, unpredictable. Um, obviously, if you've been reading, you know, what Daniel's doing in Transformers, you saw on issue one where he killed he killed Bumblebee like immediately. You know, yeah. it's like these are all moves to be like, oh, you think you know, you don't. You know, mm. and trying to play with those um, expectations uh, with these books. And so, you know, like I said, there's, there's things you could probably guess that we're going to do, but there's obviously going to be some uh, huge twists and turns there. And that's the most I probably could say, but I'm, you know, I have, I have a lot of thoughts on these characters and what I want to do. And again, like I, I always talk about this, but like the patience that I've had to learn working on this, because I'm like, it's funny, like Firefly was in Duke number one. He was, this was a good example. So I love Firefly. So Firefly was in Duke number one. And we took him out because it was like a drive-by cameo. You know what I mean? Like, like it was one of those gotcha. things that I've used before. Like, oh, he was standing in the background. Kind of, he had like a blind dialogue. And I'm like, nah, man. Like, that's too cool a character for that. And so we moved him out. But then it's like, at the same time, I'm like, I'm always looking for that opportunity to use Firefly. And that's true of like a lot of the characters. One of the things I did with the book, I really took a break and... uh I try to focus on only the first few years worth of stuff that was being revealed, the toys or the comics. I try not to go too big, too quick, even though characters I might want. I cheated on the mm-hmm. Mercer thing by bringing him in early, but again, that was just a fan of me. <laughs> like, I was going to say, he was one he of the uh, cool Slaughter's commander. It was way later, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing with him is that, like, I think because his backstory is that he was in Cobra, it made sense to have him be around, you know, like, but we show him there. We don't bring him over here. 
No, and especially too, it, it's just having that fandom and having that energy. I mean, that's the one thing that is me as a reader, you can pick up any of these books, Void Rivals, Transformers. And, you know, obviously I'm running to my LCS and making sure my order is like double checked. Like we have copies coming in for what you have coming out. I mean, it's just such an exciting time to be a fan with this. I mean, this yeah. is just the perfect universe to sneak in. It just really caught everybody by surprise. But the fan response to me, how do you describe that? Oh man, that's awesome. I mean, I, I think that's, I think people are looking for something. It's weird. They're, they're looking for comfort food, but also new at the same time. Right. Mm -hmm. Like you're looking for something new. You're looking for something fun. And that's one of the priorities for me is like, make sure these books are fun. Like you enjoy it and you have a fun time with it, you know? So those are all the pieces that people are looking for. And I think that right now is this moment where it came in like a wrecking ball, you know, and it came in fast. There wasn't a lot of, I think one of the mistakes sometimes we see is that things get announced too early. Yeah. Like you're too early and then you think you burn out and then the conversation gets to be too big and you know, you got to move faster. And I think that's something with this, the fact that we were able to move so quickly to be like, boom, here's Void Rivals, boom, here's Transformers, boom, here's Duke, you know, and then immediately after Duke, one month later, here's Cobra Commanders, right? Like the right. fact that we're able to move quickly and, to, and capitalize on the excitement, but it's been awesome to watch, like go into the different panels, you know, even, um, you know, going to signings and stuff and just seeing that excitement for it, it is, it's great because we're excited, you know, like that's always yeah. the best when, you know, we're excited. And then, because it's a bummer when you're excited, nobody cares. Right, right, right. Excited, and then they, and then you can tell that people really care right now. Uh, yeah, it's it's awesome, and I'm hoping that we're we're doing stuff that people will enjoy, or at least give it a minute, <laughs> like yeah. give it a minute to like see what we're doing, you know, and and come into it. Yeah, Tom, you had a question there. So you were saying earlier about the whole timing of things, of how things are coming out just at the right moment, just now and even earlier when you were doing things in development. I got to say, this lined up, in my opinion, perfectly with that, you know, end credit scene from Rise of the Beast. Is that like right when total the thing came out to you? Just total coincidence. Total coincidence. Okay. Total coincidence. Yeah, total coincidence. I mean, Robert's talked about this before, so I'm not like talking out of turn. It was a happy coincidence. Very. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember when, uh, they told me like, you know, I, I can't remember what it was. I, th I think Robert and Sean talked about this. It basically somebody at Hasbro or somebody kind of told them like a little early on, you know, everybody's secretive and that's okay. I like secrets too, but you could tell somebody was like, Hey, you're kind of close. Just letting you know. And, uh, when I heard, when I heard about it, I was like, Oh, that's awesome. That's great. And then part of me was like, Oh man, we're doing the same thing. So it's, you know, it is interesting how uh, these things kind of, but you can tell it's in the zeitgeist. I think it, it was just the timing. Like, I think it's, it to me, that says it was just the right time, right? We just happened to catch it right at the right moment. Our heads were in the right, right place. And you can tell the work that Robert and Sean and Skybound have done to really, like, take care of these properties and, yeah. you know, put a lot of thought into it. I mean, we, we've definitely put a lot of thought into the the plan for this and it was just yeah man just total total coincidence but a happy coincidence now since we well, also have wrestling fans here and joe fans i'm gonna ask let me tell you is he gonna show up in there you know uh with the big old glasses can, can, can i don't we know yet that? i don't know yet i yes yes obviously if you're know, talking mercer so yeah, yeah i don't know when something. i don't know when i i was just thinking about this uh we were just talking about this maybe two weeks ago um yes i just don't know when okay 
I just want to win. You know, we 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 were uh, we were we were talking about it. I, I just don't know for sure when. I have some thoughts on it. Like I have thoughts on every single one of the characters, how you introduce them, but it's gonna do it's gonna depend on some things. Um, without getting into spoiler stuff, yeah, I have I have thoughts in my head of how how I want to do it. It just depends on a lot of factors. And I'm gonna put out there just in case because I was kind of doing a little history of. If you need to make an original Joe, just putting it out there, okay? There oh, dude, new... listen, I had, I originally had, a, I had a new Joe character. Um, it's funny because yeah, I, I, I had figured out a new, new Joe character. I wrote their whole thing, and they were gonna be in the book, and then we just ran out of room for it, like these oh. first few issues. So it will happen. Like it will happen. I mean, it, it's just funny because. Yes, I would like to do that. You know, I, w- I want to introduce some new characters too. And then, obviously, as a nerd that I am, I, I want them to make classified toys of those new characters. Uh, but there's so many. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Toyetics. Yeah, dude, I love that phrase. Um, there are so many characters. So many. Oh, yeah. Many so many characters, but there's never like, been a CB. Dude. Just saying. There's never been a CB. Oh, <laughs> I'm writing this down. Oh, go That's for it, man. Yeah, like we we talk about all this stuff, dude. I mean, it's 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 been fun. We we start in a fun place, and then it becomes work. But you know, it's still good. Yeah, and absolutely. I mean, there's a lot to be excited about with this universe. Before we let you go, though, I said we were gonna sneak in a wrestling question. This is a two parter because the first part will play into the second. Okay. What is your favorite wrestling faction of all time? Oh, dude, that's tough. Okay. Oh man. Oh man, this is the part where I just go blank stare. I have no <laughs> idea what we're talking about. Oh, dude, that's real hard. I feel like I'm gonna age myself possibly because I liked NWO and I liked DX. You I know, know those. I feel like that that moment that moment is such a great moment in wrestling, and I'm not sure if many other factions. I mean, you get like the Four Horsemen and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and obviously, yeah. There are things that I'm like I nerd for, you know. Like I, I like the Chris Jericho Appreciation Society as a thing because I just love Chris Jericho, you know. So I'm like, there are bits right, and right. pieces of stuff that I'm like, that's really cool. That was a really cool faction, you know. When you get like the ministry and stuff like that, it's like, yeah, but dude, I think here's here's the, the thing I will say to you, and I guess this is the answer because I'm I'm sure you know this in wrestling that like the way that the WWE really evaluates if someone is over or not is their t-shirt sales, right? Right. You've heard this before? Yes. Yep. I've only owned a DX shirt and a NWO shirt. So I guess that's the answer. Okay. Like those are the, those are the two I've, I've never owned. I've never owned shirts for any other. I've owned shirts for other wrestlers for sure. Uh, but I think those are the only two factions I ever owned uh, shirts for. So with that said, yeah, if you were going to form your own NWO of the GI Joe universe, who are your three that you start with? Well, here's the question I have with you though, with this is the NWO. Okay. They were villains. Well, that's what I say. You could, well, I mean, they kind of went through that cool heel phase too. So, I mean, you can yeah. kind of mix it up how you want. Man, that's tough, dude. Who would I bring over? You know, I actually don't think I can answer this because, and, and this is why I wanted to say this. There's something I'm working on right now with G.I. Joe that is uh, essentially what we're talking about, like an NWO. Uh, okay. So I can't, I'm literally like in the process of trying to figure it out right now. So I feel like if I start answering, I'm going to give stuff away. Okay, then I can flip it to one one other question. I yeah, think yeah, sorry, yeah, throw. go ahead. No, no, no. By all by all means, I don't want to ruin anything because I, I want to sit yeah. there and be be surprised whenever. Dude, I think about out. the NWO probably too much because I think the NWO is a fascinating moment in time for wrestling, and you know I love interviews and there's 
there's a lot to be learned in the in the form of entertainment and company rivalries, all that when it comes to NWO. So uh, I think with the NWO a lot, and so that that idea of like who, who would be the NWO is a uh, for GI Joe is fascinating. I just don't think I should answer it right. Now. <laughs> no, perfectly fine. I, I'm good with that. But I I had a I had a backup one just in yeah, case. Yeah, and I yeah. think you can answer this one. All right. Obviously, Roman Reigns, greatest champion we've had in pro wrestling past 40 years, we'll say. Obviously, who would you choose as a GI Joe to face him and beat him for the title at WrestleMania? That's tough. Okay, so. I'm trying to think of like who. Okay, here's the trick with that. Because whoever, oh, see, all right, here's the challenge with that. Because whoever you give it to, they have to get. They have you. You want to make sure they get put over, right? Mm-hmm. So this is the, this is the debate I have of like with Brock Lesnar being the Undertaker, right? Like, yes, it made sense that it was Brock that did it, but at the same time, Brock didn't need it, right? Right. No, so I it's agree a weird with you math. For that. It's a weird math. So with Roman Reigns, because what's he on right now? Is it like day six hundred or some crazy thing? No, like, he's over a thousand. Yeah, he's he's over really, a thousand. It's been, it's been three. It's over three years. Okay. Yeah. I'm torn on this because, uh, yeah, I'm 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 really torn on this one, dude. Like, because like, who needs to put over? So like, I haven't watched enough recently to be totally up on LA Night and everything. Is it lot? Okay. LA Night. He just lost yep. it. He just lost like a week ago. Um. Yes. Man, who who do I want though? Oh, you know what? At this point, I'm gonna say MJF. Uh, I wanted Cody to do it, but I, I was, I was, dude, I was legitimately pissed off when Cody didn't win at WrestleMania this year. I legitimately was angry. I like, I stood up and walked out of my house for a moment and just stood outside. I was legitimately angry when Cody didn't do it because, but it, the, the, the tough thing is, I, I want it to be who do you put over, and is it a surprise? And I want it to be a right. surprise. And and the problem with Cody in that moment was, and I took that one personal. So the problem with, with Cody in that moment was he he everyone thought he was gonna win, which meant he shouldn't win. And that's tough. Yeah. So I'm gonna dang dude, that's that's a really I'm just gonna say MJF because I like MJF and I think if he comes over, that'll be interesting. I'm not sure who else it could be, because I mean it, it, at that point, you know what it'll end up happening, it'll be the rock or something. Like that's what's gonna happen. And it's gonna be the same thing where it's like the rock doesn't need it, but you're like, okay, I guess that makes sense. And then it becomes a matter of who beats the rock. I mean, you know how the wrestling math is, right? Because then it's like, oh yeah, no, completely. The rock. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's wide open right now because, like with WWE, there's three that could do it logistically: Cody yeah. Rhodes, Ooh. LA yeah. Knight, and Jay Uso. If you have not been following lately, has now no, got no, himself no. in that conversation. That. Well, I guess, I guess you look at like, like Sami Zayn, but Sami Zayn's injured right now. Him and Kevin Owens are injured right now, right? Oh no, are no, they, they both are back. They're both. They're, they're both, both back. back now. Okay. They got split up though. Kevin's now on SmackDown because of uh, Jey Uso. Yeah, yeah, okay. I mean, the, the fandom part of me wanted to. I, I feel like we do need to have some kind of like Sami Zayn, Roman Reigns confrontation. You know, like a real one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some contour on that. But yeah, I, I feel like that's a tough one, dude. That's a tough one. I mean, I think the Cody stuff. You know, personally, I think that would be great to do at, at this next full WrestleMania because it'll yep. be the one. I guess it would depend on if 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 Cody won. Did Cody win a Royal Rumble last year? Yes, he did. He did. All right. Yeah. I, I'm always a little weird when it's, I don't like when history repeats itself that tight, where it's like immediately the same month later. You know. I'm gonna put it out there. Uh, 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 I just want Roadblock to win if he ever was able to wrestle. Yeah, he's one of my favorites. I, I absolutely love Roadblock because you know <laughs> he's a chef too. <laughs> Look, I, I have well, very odd reasons why I love my Joes. Okay, just just go with me. Um, okay, but yeah, for GI Joe, who's GI Joe that beat him? Yes, who's the Joe? Yeah, who's the yeah? GI sorry, Joe I get back to the original question. 
No, no, by all means. Joe. I don't mind talking. You know me. I don't mind talking wrestling. We could do it all day. Yeah. I mean, who's the who's the G.I. Joe that I think needs to be put over? Oh, man. I'm going to throw you a curveball. I'm going to throw you a curveball. Uh, okay. Falcon. Falcon. Ooh. Ooh. Think about it. Think about it. Like, the story you could tell with that, I think that would be the, the person to do it because that's the person who you put over. Because I don't know if they put him over good enough in the movie. You know, but... Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go with Falcon. I think Falcon would be interesting. Because there's the obvious stuff, right? Because you don't need to put over Snake Eyes. Right. Duke, you don't necessarily need to put over Duke. You know, you don't need to put over Flint. I'm trying to think of who's the next generation. Because that's really the answer, right? Like, that is logistically the answer of what it should be with, with Roman Reigns. Is like, who do you think is the... Like, I think it was a mistake to have LA Knight wrestle him last week. I think they should have waited. You know, the thing with that is I think they made the right call because because you have to think he's never had a, a singles title his entire run of NXT and, and WWE. Yeah. So you can't have him win to go over. But what I think they're doing is they're setting him up to see how the crowd was going to react after he lost. And then he's either going to be the guy to take it from Gunther, who's been Intercontinental mm-hmm. Champion. He, he broke a uh, yeah. He, he broke the record. And yeah. uh, Logan Paul, who just beat uh, Rey Mysterio for the U.S. title. like He'll be the next mid-card champion whoever it's going to be. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about you when you get to like Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, where it was like champion versus intercontinental champion. I feel like that's yeah. sort of. I remember that. I was there for that, that one. Yeah. See here. Now we're, we're getting to that time period where everyone was watching wrestling. We're all kids watching wrestling. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's sort of where you have to start with is you got to find people who need to get put over who are next generation. So I'm trying to think of like, you know, who do you put in that next generation? You know, it's really funny. I mean, you get someone like Chuckles. Cause I, I, I've learned everyone loves Chuckles. That's what I've learned the last few months. Like everybody loves Chuckles. Oh. Um, you know, it, it, I actually yeah, got the shirt there. Toy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like if I threw a curveball out, you know, it would be funny if someone like Sergeant Slaughter. Because if you get Sergeant Slaughter, like, you know, Sergeant Slaughter from the cartoon, from you know, that's like young Sergeant Slaughter, and he comes in, you know, versus, because uh, you couldn't have Sergeant Slaughter now. Like, that wouldn't happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, I, I think that would be interesting. Yeah, I think it has to be somebody that's part of a next generation of people that are going to do it. I mean, they built it up. I mean, that, that is, I guess, the that is probably the modern equivalent of the Undertaker streak is Roman Reigns right now, right? Yeah, like that. That is probably the closest we have to that. Cause there is anybody else that has that level of like not been beaten, feeling like an impossible opponent the way they built Roman Reigns up. Um, yeah the work they've yeah, done with the whole bloodline yeah. storyline has just been amazing and like the so, fact they're still extending it is is mind-blowing to me even though i think it, i think it's all going to finally end at next year's wrestlemania i uh so last year before royal rumble before royal rumble last year i had been i was behind i kept hearing about, i kept hearing about this you know the the bloodline stuff with sammy Zayn and everything and and uh feeling Usy, yes feeling Usy, you know uh I, uh, so I, so I went and I watched like, dude, WB, super smart, super smart. They know that people on YouTube will watch like recaps and stuff. Right? Mm-hmm. They yep. put out like a 40 minute, they did. They put out a 40 minute recap before Royal Rumble. And I watched that and I was like, yeah, this is, this is easily one of the best storylines they've had forever is this. And man, they, the, the heat, the heat behind it. Like yeah. everything going in, you could tell like the stuff going into Royal Rumble, the stuff going to WrestleMania. I mean, you watched that WrestleMania that first night when it was the Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn versus the brothers. Dude, that yeah. crowd, 
I haven't seen a crowd pop and be that hot in a long time. Like they were losing their minds during that match. And so you can tell they really, they put a lot of, put a lot of thought into it, but to bring it back to J.I. Joe, we are putting equal amount of thought and care <laughs> into these <laughs> books, you know, into Duke into, into Cobra commander and all the plans we have. So yeah, look, we have a, we're, we're trying, we're trying to make sure we put that same level of care and love that you can tell they were putting into that storyline over there. Yeah. And like we say, we can't emphasize enough. Make sure you run down to your local comic shops or wherever you're buying your comics. Make sure you get multiple copies of this book before the final order cutoff date because you don't want to miss out on this. I guarantee it's going to sell out. This is going to be something special. And like I say, when this drops in the comic shops on December 27th, it is going to be the buzz of the day. There's no doubt in my mind about it. You know, as uh, one Mr. Paul Heyman says, that's not a prediction. That's a spoiler. So you want to make sure that you have this book <laughs> ordered and locked up. And if you need more information to find it in the liner notes of this podcast episode, we have the comic shop locator in there as well. We'll have the direct link and we'll also put in the link for Joshua's Substack, which everybody should be checking out as well. Josh, thank you for taking the time out to talk with us today. It's been a blast. We definitely got to do it again sometime. Yeah, for sure. Thank you guys so much. For Tom, thank you for joining me on this episode and let people know where to find you. You can find me everywhere and anywhere. I know Ken's got it in the liner notes. You can always see me every single Tuesday night, 8 p.m. right on Nerd Initiatives. Turn a page. And for anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com and also nerdinitiative.com every single Wednesday starting at 9 a.m. for New Comic Book Day. We have your coverage all set there. And you definitely want to make sure you pick this book up. This has been a special edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time.
Get out.